My big fat mouth. My big fat mouth. How many of you have ever said something stupid? If your hand isn't up, that's the dumbest thing you've ever done, right? It's like, right? Jesus was very, very clear with us. He said, you are pretty much summarized what's in your heart by what comes out of your mouth, by what comes out of your mouth. So what that should really make us do, we should say, all right, you might not have a problem with, with what you say, whether it's complaining or gossip or criticism, lying, whatever. Those are simply symptoms of what's going on in your heart. If Jesus said what comes out is a direct reflection of what is in your heart, if you are prone to criticism, if you are prone to complain, if you are prone to lie, if you are prone for gossip, the issue might not be what's coming out of your mouth. The issue might be what's stored up in your heart. And this is a very critical time for us because, man, we're, we're five weeks old as a church. Like, this is literally our fifth week ever. It feels like five months. I'll be honest with you. Feels like a long time. It, it, has, it has been fun. It has been awesome. And later on, we're going to kind of uh, show you what God's done. It's really, really awesome. But at the same time, this is a very important sermon series for our church. Because the vision of LifeHouse is this, to help all people experience life change through Christ. And really, whenever Kristen and I said, we want to start a brand new church, we en envisioned it basically being a be being a, a place where people come, whoever they are, no matter their background, whatever, we invite all people here. That basically you're going to come to a place and you're going to find life, real life, abundant life, true life through Christ. And really a huge part of creating this atmosphere of life is etched in and really embedded in the culture of our church and what we say. Because our words have power. Do you know this? God didn't create anything until he spoke. Think about that. In, in the beginning, God, what? Created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, then God said. And as he spoke, things happened. Because our words have creative power to bring destruction. Some of you been there. You have words that possibly your parents, coaches, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, husband, wife have said to you that are still etched in your spirit and still etched in your heart. Maybe years later, maybe somebody said you're not good enough. You're, you are never going to succeed. You're never going to be this. You're, you're, you're just a lost cause and you've still got those words etched on your spirit. But at the same time, we also know the power of positive words, the power of encouragement, the power of life-giving words where someone told you, you can be this, you can do that. Jesus does love you, and you know the power, and basically you are here because of the words that someone spoke into you and spoke over your life. Lifehouse, we are going to be a church that is going to be built on the, by the power of what we say and what we proclaim and what we speak. And we're going to be a life-giving church. We are going to speak life over people. We're not going to speak death. We're going to speak truth. But at the same time, the truth does what? It sets you free. And sometimes truth, some, you know, sometimes the truth is the truth, but sometimes the truth hurts, right? But at the same time, it does bring healing. So we, we want to be a life-giving church, and it's going to begin embedded into our culture 
by what we say. And what are the four biggest things, problems that we have many times coming out of our mouths? And really, honestly, what break up many, many churches? Gossip. Lying. Complaining. And criticism. Those are kind of the four things many, many times. We can blame it on people. We, 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 we can blame it on so many different things. But honestly, when you think about what ruined churches, it's those. And some of you, you have even been a part of, of those churches. They have fallen apart because people gossiped back. But you see what she was wearing? You know what she did the other night? Mm. And she's in church on Sunday. Oh, my God. You know, it's like gossiping, complaining. I can't believe the pastor did that. I can't believe the pastor said that. I didn't hear what song. They didn't even do the song that I wanted to do this morning. I'm out there serving coffee, and they can't even play a song that I like. I'm just being stupid. I don't know. But, you know, but, you know, but it's like that will destroy a church. That, that will not just destroy a church, but that will destroy your own life. And we want to be a church. We want you to be a, be a people that reaps the fruit of the words that come out of your life. Complaining. We're going to talk about today complaining. When I think of complaining, I think of the who? Israelites. You've been in church any amount of time, you know the whole story. Jesus chose for himself a, a people, and he said, I'm going to... Ch- Show myself through you. Israel wasn't, wasn't better than, like, than every other nation. He chose them. He said, I'm going to show myself through you. He said, I'm going to choose a people, and by the way that, that you live, people are going to know who I am because of the way that you live. He chose a people. They got into slavery. Jesus, you, know, God, you know, God was like, we're going to raise up somebody, Moses. He stuttered. He's, he's, he, Moses is, is, is pretty much my favorite Bible character because he's the only stuttering guy in Scripture. So I'm like, that's my boy. I'll tell you what, the, raised up Moses and said, I'm going to use you to free people. Moses went to Pharaoh, talked to him, spoke to him, said, set my people free. God did 10 crazy plagues to try and get people free. They got free and they, and God parted the, the what red sea they've got millions of people walking through this sea he gave them manna from heaven like dude is sending mcdonald's down from the sky dropping it in parachutes like you you know and god said also the food will not spoil he gave them water from rocks scripture tells us like you know like water was gushing out of a rock and then you you've got what was the other thing oh clothes he said your clothes will never wear out Never wear out. God was providing for them in this desert place, trying to get them free. But the main characteristic that this people had, which should have taken them literally about a week, ended up taking them 40 years. Why? I think it's because they complained. And they griped about the way that God was doing things instead of seeing how God was working. Check this out. Exodus chapter 14, 11 and 12. It says this. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Don't we say, you know, didn't we say to you in in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve these, these Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve them and just to die in the desert. Then they said, actually, 
Moses said to them, to, to the people, he said, you are not grumbling against us, but you're grumbling against God. He said, you're not just grumbling against us leaders. What you're doing by grumbling against us is you're grumbling against God. So I'll say if there was a complaining Olympics, the Israelites would get the gold medal. They would get the gold medal. Now, if there was a silver medal, I would probably have to say the United States would probably get that silver medal. We complain so much, we have actually created different levels of complaining. Have anyone heard of first world problems? It's basically only complaints and things that apply to kind of like us and maybe a few first world countries. Maybe you've heard them. Can you believe there's no Wi-Fi? Can you believe this Wi-Fi is so slow? Man, there ain't nothing to binge watch on Netflix. I've watched all the shows. I've taken all my free time, watched every single show on Netflix, and there ain't no more to watch. What kind of country do we live in? Nothing to binge watch. I need a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> now, sometimes that's really true, though. <laughs> when you got kids, having kids and going on, having kids and, and vacation, it's not a vacation. It's basically daycare mobile. It's like mobile daycare is really what it is. You ain't getting no vacation with six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. You're doing mobile daycare is what you're doing. I'm just kidding. See, see look, I'm complaining as I'm talking about com complaining. You guys need to pray for, pray for me. I'm preaching to myself today, okay? Uh, Chipotle doesn't have queso. I know they do now, okay, but, but they didn't, and it's terrible. Okay, I'm just letting you know, don't have it. It tastes like sour cream, okay? You're welcome. I just saved you five, $5 buying it, okay? But for many years, Chipotle didn't have queso. And yeah, I remember going in there all the time, like, man, it's a Mexican restaurant. Where's the queso? My book ran out of batteries. <laughs> have you ever heard that? You know, you've kind of got books, you know, books on this thing, and you're trying to, like, read them, and, and you're at the best part of the book, and you're about to hit it hard, and then you realize the book died. You know, it's like, what the heck? So we have first world problems, but really I think we've got first life problems, if we're extremely honest. We are so blessed in this nation with so many conveniences and so many things. But honestly, blessing, typically what it does, it thinks that we are entitled to these blessings. And then we, we think, I deserve these blessings. And what do we typically do? We tend to forget the one that gives us the blessings. It's Israel. We are Israel. Israel is us. Read, that, read the whole Old Testament. And basically what it is, it's a microcosm of us of what we continually do. God blesses us. He wants us freedom. God does all these crazy, awesome things for us. And then what ends up happening? Well, God didn't do it the way that I wanted to do. I wish he'd have done it differently. I, I'd have wished that. I'd have wished that. It should have been done this way. It should have been done that, that way. And we end up getting in this complaining, griping, same thing that the Israelites did. And what do we end up doing? We, we don't end up complaining against people or churches. We end up complaining against who? God. So, you know what, if, if anybody came in last place in this whole complaining thing, it was probably Paul. But if anyone had the right to complain more than anyone, it was probably Paul. 
How many of you know Paul? He only wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. If you're brand new to church, welcome. Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But Paul, basically, he was a church planner, itinerant preacher. He would go preaching in places, preaching God's word, healing, healing people. He, he wanted to spread the gospel. But, the, but basically, what Paul got paid for preaching the gospel is persecution. And many times he got put in prison because he was doing God's work. He would go up into this city that no one knew God. He would preach the gospel. People would get healed, and, and people would start following Jesus. But people in that city, they would get angry, mad, like, oh, man, they're taking business from us. He's taking attention. And so what ended up happening is Paul many times got ended up put in prison for preaching the gospel. Okay? So he planted a church in Philippi. A book called what? Philippians. And Paul wrote this book in prison. Now, we think of typically USA prison. Three meals a day. You can play basketball. Get your, get your education. Um, Rome and, and kind of like, like that. But this was Roman prison. If there's one thing Rome was good at, it was torturing people. They were professional torturers. So, man, they would basically, prison, you were chained to someone else. You were chained to one of the the best Roman guards for eight-hour shifts. You might have gotten to go to the bathroom. You maybe got bread, water, or something like that every single day. And Paul wrote this book from, from, from these circumstances to, to a church that he planted. Paul said in chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, Paul said this. He said, do everything without grumbling, complaining, or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children without fault in a crooked and warped generation. Now, it's so funny, Paul, writing this, isn't it? Writing from prison. Probably not the best circumstance. He had plenty to complain about. Like this Roman guard, he has to put on stinking deodorant in 14 days. This guy smells, this bread they give me is all sorts and not even good. It's not like Texas Roadhouse with the buttery cinnamon apple or the buttery cinnamon butter that they give you. It's like this, this water feels, feels like it's, you know, the water's warm. I'm in this prison. There's no temperature control. It's like, this is, is terrible. But Paul, Paul writes to this church and says, look, don't complain. Don't complain. And do you know what? It's, it's so powerful whenever somebody that walks through something, and that knows what it's like to be in a certain place tells you what to do because it holds more power. Have you ever had somebody try to tell you something about they've never done? Happens, to, happens in the church all the time. People come to me with great intentions, great hearts, saying, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Da -da -da -da. I'm like, how old are you? Have you ever been a pastor? Have you ever in your life been in ministry? No. Oh, Okay. So then you probably have no idea what you're talking about. Thank you. Okay, guys, wanted to get that clear. Right? But I mean, just whatever job you have, if someone that has never been there, done what you've done, tried to do what you do, has never been there be before, and they come to you and they try to start telling you stuff. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that dude's a builder, so he knows, he knows what, it's, what it's like. Ain't nothing more annoying than that, is there? But Paul's got power here. Because the church knows, yeah, the conditions he's in, he has the authority and right to tell us. 
But Paul doesn't just have the authority to tell them. He has the authority to tell us as well. Because we are the church. And he says, do not complain. Well, let's kind of dig a little deeper here into us, right? Why do we complain? Why do we complain? Why do we complain? Actually, I'm going to do something a little bit different here, right? I'm, I'm saying, what, what is your biggest complaint? Anyone? Anyone? I kind of want to, Jesus, about snap my knee off. Anybody? Anybody want to tell me, what is your biggest complaint? Like, what do you complain about the most? Anybody want to put your hand up? Tell me. John, John man, what do, what do you complain about? My boss at work. Yeah, my boss at work. That's a real man right there. Okay, he's, he's honest. Anyone else? Like, what do you complain about the most? Huh? Other drivers, traffic. Amen. Hampton Roads area. It is what it is, right? Mandy. Dirty house. Dirty house, but you have like 17 kids living there, so it's all good, okay? It is what it is, it is, what it is right, Jeremy? Nothing. Nothing. You're, you're going to hell. You're lying. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, the Steelers, yeah, well, good. All right, say, anyone else? Anyone else? Your biggest complaint. I can't get there to you. Scream it out to me. Not having enough money. Praise the Lord. Amen. Renata. Oh, not having what you want, what you want to eat. Not what you need to eat, but what you want to eat. Yeah. Insensitive people. Mm. We, we, we have kind of covered a pretty good gamut here, haven't we? So many things we could complain about. So what, what I kind of want you to do over the next, what time is it? What time is it? Time is it? Time. Huh? 10.52. Okay, I got to hurry. So what we're going to do is I want you to think about you know, these next points through what through the lens of whatever you complain about the most. So I want you to think about what is it that you complain about the most and basically apply what I am about to teach through the lens of your biggest complaint. Okay? Why do we complain? I think we got three big reasons why. Number one, lack of perspective. Lack of perspective. Let me just give you a little perspective here on just a few things that typically we talk about. Actually, many of you said, did you know 8% of the whole world owns a car? I know you got a beater. And it sometimes gets you from point A to point B. But in many people's eyes, you're rich because you have a car. Secondly, one billion people today will not have clean drinking water. And we, every day, we could go to the faucet. Might taste a little weird, but might be brown, but you can drink it. And we just kind of go and get a bottle of water. Go buy 32 of them for like two bucks at the grocery store. Today, 800 million people will not eat today. 300, and, 300 million of them being kids. A billion people in this world live on less than $1 a day. Now, here's the deal, man. I, I, I don't tell you that to me. Oh, man, I'm terrible. I'm the worst person in the whole world. Like, I, we're not going to do that here at this church. We're not going to beat you down. Okay, we're going to be about truth, and we're going to encourage you, but we are going to speak truth because the truth what? It sets you free, right? We, we want to encourage you, okay? Here's the deal. We typically complain whenever we think our world is the world. We typically complain whenever we forget that our world isn't the world. 
our little life that we have in this country, a very comfortable life, where we can go to the grocery store and get whatever we, we want, that is not typical in the world. Our world isn't the world. And it's funny how we complain about the things that we prayed for and God gave us. Some of y'all, you wanted a husband. God gave you one. And now he can't do nothing good enough. <laughs> Don't make enough money. Doesn't do things the way I want him. Can't cut the grass worth a flip. He can't do nothing. Does he only showers once a week? No, I'm just kidding. If you only shower once a week, guys, come on, y'all. No, I'm just, just kidding. Some, some of you prayed for the job that you have, getting the salary that you want. And now what God blessed you with is your biggest complaint. It's somehow, it's, it's sometimes funny how typically the biggest blessings in our lives are also the biggest burdens. That's what you've got to also see, is that the biggest blessings that you have in your life are the biggest burdens. All I got to say is kids. I got three of them. They are the biggest blessings in my life. But they are are the biggest burden of my life. But that is, amen, we got some ameners over there. But that's what typically happens. The blessings that God gives us are typically also the biggest burdens. But what, can we, but what we can be tempted to do is whenever it feels like a burden, we tend to go towards complaining instead of thanking God for what he's giving us. So how do we turn our complaints into worship? How do we turn our complaints into thanks. It's by this P word, perspective. If you can teach yourself to have perspective, yes, it might not be the job that you want. It might not be the perfect paying job. You got a job. You might, you might have, your husband might not be Ryan Gosling and looking like the rock, but you got a husband and he loves you and he treats you well. Guys, you might not have the perfect swimsuit model wife. But you got, a, you got someone that, that actually said yes to you. And that, in and of itself, is a miracle. You say, God ain't no miracle working God? Look at the woman that said yes to you. It's a miracle working God. But this word perspective, and this is what I love that Paul did, right? Paul had every reason to complain. In chapter 1 of this book, so, you know, basically, like I said, Paul was in prison, chained, chained, ch he was chained to the, chained to, uh, spit it out, John, chained to this guard. In chapter one, he penned these words. He said this, now I want you to know, brothers, he's talking to his church and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. If you can change your circumstances, do it. Like, if you have power to change your job, dump the job and find another one. If you have power to dump your current boyfriend, dump him and find somebody else. You can dump your, I mean, whatever you're complaining about, is there a way to change that circumstance? If it is, do it. But if you can't change your circumstance, you need to change your perspective. Paul was chained to this Roman guard. 
Not a lot he could do about it. He was basically there uh, 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 waiting to be sentenced to kind of see what he was going to do. So Paul said, do you know what? I'm chained to this prisoner. I'm not going, or I'm chained to this guard. I'm not going nowhere. So I got a couple options. I can complain. Or do you know what I could do? I've got a captive audience. I get a different Roman guard every eight hours. You know what's going to happen? These Roman guards, they're going to hear eight hours of my sermons. He said, you know what? Every one of them, they're going to hear me preach the gospel to them. And what he, he, he said was they, can, they know I'm in chains for Christ. They know the, what I'm doing. He could not change where he was at, but he could change his perspective of where he was. He said, you know what? Everyone thinks I'm chained to this prisoner, but you know what? This prisoner's chained to me. This prisoner gets the opportunity to hear the gospel from me. If you can change your circumstance, do it. But if you can't do it, you know what needs to change? Your perspective. What situation need, do you need to actually apply that to today? What are you chained to that you can't get rid of? Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a job, maybe it's some sort of situation, and you're chained to it, and you're like, how am I going to get rid of, the, rid of this? And maybe the, the answer isn't to get rid of it. The answer is to change your perspective on what it is. I'll be, I'll be 100% uh, religious. One of the things that I complain about all the time is my stinking stuttering, right? Like, man, like, there'll be times I'll be talking, I'm like, John, spit it out for God's sake, man. Like, come on. Like, what in the heck, right? And, and, I've, and I've complained. And, and here's the thing. I'm trying to change the circumstance. I'm going to speech therapy. I'm trying to get this thing right. And, but, you know, until God does something, it, it is gonna, I'm going to teach you patience. I'm God's toolbox. I'm teaching you patience. I have said, you know what? I'm worth something. I'm going to say something. Might take a while. It'll get out eventually. But here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to teach you patience. No, but I have said, all right, if I'm going to be chained to this thing, if I'm going to be chained to this circumstance for a while, unless God does something amazing or I get better, Whatever happens first. If I'm chained to this, I can say, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to find a nice, comfortable job just so I don't have to talk a whole lot. Like, I would love to be somebody, um, what's it called, a UPS. Like, I'd love to be a UPS driver, man. You just drive around and talk to people in one or two sentences, and then you're gone, right? But, but then God was like, nope, you're, you're going to preach. And I'm like, oh, God in heaven. This is going to be interesting. But you know what? I said, you know what? If I'm going to be chained to this, and there's not going to be anything that's going to happen in, in the foreseeable future, we'll see. But um, I need to change my perspective on it and be like, you know what? I can help people have patience. I can help people see that no matter what God has called them to, if they put their heart, mind, soul, strength into it, God can do anything through anybody. And, and man, I, and, and, and man uh, a 20-year-old kid came came to me, a 20-year-old stuttering kid came to me a couple weeks back. Is that an amber alert? All right, Jesus, right now we just pray for that person in Jesus' name. Seriously, guys, let's just pray for, let's just pray for this person. God, we just pray, bring that person back to 
we'll go to its its parents in Jesus in Jesus name find them and bring them back God Lord you know everything that's going on right now we ask for you God deal with it deal with it and bring peace to to whoever the people are Father we thank you that you are a good good father Father God do what only you can do in this situation in Jesus name Amen 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 Oh I don't know where we were What's, Oh yeah um, so, a tw- uh, uh, 20-year-old stuttering guy came to me a couple weeks back who wants to go into full-time, who wants to go into full-time ministry. And somehow he, he heard me talk, preach, or whatever, and he was like, I am stepping out and doing this because I've seen you do it. I've, I've seen you speak. I see that you don't care. You're going to do what God's called you to. And and." Because of that, I'm going to step out. You know what you're chained to might actually empower somebody to actually do what God has called them to. If you change your perspective on what, you, on what you're chained to, that could be the empowerment that somebody needs to step out and to go through whatever they're going through. You can't change your circumstance. Change your perspective. Secondly, we complain because we think we are at the center of our story. I love that Paul, Paul, the Paul here basically said, this whole story that I am in prison for is not about me, it's about my purpose. He said, I am in prison for who? Christ. Paul realized this, the whole reason for me following Jesus is not to make me famous, it's not to make me comfortable, it's not to make me happy. The whole purpose and reason of following Jesus is to make his name known and to make his name famous. And he basically said this, I'm not the center of this story. Whenever we typically complain, it's because it becomes all about who? Us. We are the ones that want to be in charge. We are the ones that want to be in control. We are the ones that want to be. But Paul said this, look, in, in, in a different book, Paul said this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that, that, that I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and gave, his up and gave his life for me. Paul said this, I'm not the center of this whole thing. I'm not the center of this story that God is writing here. I am simply one of the actors, and all my job is is to fulfill what the director wants is to basically, hey, I'm going to play my part. I'm going to play whatever God's called me to do. And whenever you see things through, through that lens of, you're not the center of the story, y'all. Is God getting glory through you? If God is getting glory through you, that's what ultimately counts. We complain when we put ourselves as being the lead actor. Whenever we just say, look, we are in a supporting role. We have one role, and that's to make the lead actor look good. We want his name to be glorified. Paul said, look, I'm in chains for Christ. I'm in prison for Christ. But, hey, it's all about him anyway. The third reason, final reason, Mike, you can go ahead and come on up, brother. Isn't Mike awesome? He's single. In case you're wondering. Josh isn't, though, right, Josh? You're not single. You're engaged? I thought you were. Sorry. <laughs> Nobody's got a girlfriend, though, right? Yes. Okay, awesome. 
Um, so the third reason why, why, why we complain is simply this. Two words. We forget. We forget. We forget. That was a little loud, fellas. Saying. <laughs> but we forget. We forget. Israel saw the Red Sea part. They saw manna flying down from heaven. They saw water coming from rocks. They saw these plagues. They saw it. But what did they for, but what did they do? They forgot. They forgot the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. I just want to ask all of all of you right now, if you're sitting in this room, yes, I know you might have had a tough deck dealt. I, I know you might have had tough times. I know I got so much stuff in this room. But you're here. You're sitting here in this room breathing right now. And no matter what has happened to you, you've made it here. You've made it here. It might have been ugly. It might have been hard. It might have been filled with sin. It might have been filled with deep regrets. It might have been filled with unthinkable, un-whatever un stuff. But I want to tell you, you're here now. You're here now. And because you're here now, you know what you can do? You can remember the faithfulness of God. You can remember the faithfulness of God. Remember how God protected you. Remember how God graciously let you grow up in, in a godly family. It's, it's, that is definitely me. Remember how God graciously awakened you to the ugliness of your sin. Remember how you walked away from that terrible car accident. Remember how your wife, sister, mom survived from cancer. Remember how you had key friends guide you in your faith. Remember how God kept you during that season of unemployment. Remember how God miraculously healed you. Remember how God answered that impossible prayer request that you paid. Remember how you had no money and something showed up on your doorstep that was the exact amount of money that you needed. Remember how you received, or when you received the gospel and your life was changed. Remember whenever you were dead in your sin but Christ saved you. Re re remember. And that is my encouragement to you today. Don't forget what God has done in your life. Remember. Remember. Because you know what? I said this last week. People, we tend to forget the things that we should what? Remember. And we remember the things that we should forget. Remember. Psalm chapter 103, verses 2 through 5. This is David writing. And David says this, he says, Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like 
the eagles. David says, don't forget. I want us to, to take just a moment. I just want all of us to shut our eyes. I want you to think about your life. Some of you, that might be hard because you're, you're at a situation, a point right now in your life that you don't want to be at. There's been some unexpected turns, unexpected financial hard, hardships, unexpected family issues, unexpected life happenings. And typically what you're filled with will be the first thing that you think about. If it's hurt and pain, those are the first things that you'll think about. If you feel that God has been really, really good to you, that's typically what'll pop up. But what I want you to do today is no matter what's happened to you, I want you to think of a few things that you can look back on and thank God for and, and remember. Remember those situations. Remember those, those times where God gave you grace when you didn't deserve it. Remember those times where there was no money there and God provided. Maybe you don't have any of those moments. Maybe you say, God, I can't even remember any of those moments. God, thank you for my breath. God, thank you that you've sustained me up until now. I'll stand. We're going to close out. I just want you really, really quick. Perspective. You're not the center of your story. And remember. Perspective. You're not the center of your story, and remember. Let that fill your heart, and let it turn your complaints and grumblings into worship. God is good, y'all. God is good. The Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Essentially the same 